Close your eyes. In your mind, picture the average US citizen. Think about it. How old are they? What's their hair like? What do they do for fun? Got one? Likely the person you're picturing looks a little different to the average American. There are about 326 million US citizens. About 51% are female. So the average American is a woman. Is that what you pictured? 58 million are Latino, 49 million are senior citizens, 28 million are disabled, and almost 19 million are Asian. E pluribus unum, from many, one. A United States of America, from many different people, bound together to make one unified. So, now look at the church, the body of Christ. We are made up of many different parts, many gifts, cultures, and people brought together by the love of God, each as important as the other. The very purpose of God in Christ is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. A unity that will spread love beyond division. Any people group, any age, gender, or race. It is one body of Christ that will bring glory to God. And that's how the world will know God's love. Through the glory that brings the kingdom of God to earth. Thursday morning, uh, I got up early, and like I do, and I, I sat with God, and um, I shared with you guys, and again, if you're here and you started coming during the summer, you're like, who's this guy? Uh, I was actually, I'm Dave Nelson, um, pastor here, and I was on sabbatical this summer, and so just got back in last, last Sunday. And uh, I even ended last week's message by sharing with you guys an application of something I've been doing, and that is to take truths and to repeat them constantly inside your mind because even science now shows us that every person has toxic thoughts in their brain and they can see them. <laughs> they literally can see those negative thoughts. But when you think what's true and what's right and what's lovely and what's honorable, everything the Bible told us to do, science now shows us that when you think that way, then those toxic thoughts begin to disappear and new ones go. And so the scripture tells us that we can be renewed. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So anyway, so that's what I was doing Thursday morning. And I'm, I'm tackling a new to toxic thought. I just, uh, uh, you do this for like 21 days, and then I just start over. And I'm just, I'm just going to make this part. If I can, you guys think about this. Can you imagine if you could get rid of all the crap going on inside your head? <laughs> and instead you were actually thinking positive, right, good things. How many of you would love to do that? Okay, see, so I, I'm actually finding that this works, and so this is what I'm doing. So I'm sitting there on Thursday morning, and I'm starting to tackle this thought. And I, the, the one I'm tackling right now is, why in the world do I believe that if I protect myself, I'm actually going to be more free and live? Okay, now here, here's what I know. And so, because how many of you protect yourself? Okay, and the rest of you are lying. And I, and I, and I want you to, like, seriously... Every human being protects ourselves. We put a mask on. And so I was sitting there, and, I, and, and the question this morning, that morning was, what's at the core of this, David? Why do you really work so hard to protect yourself? And as I sat with it, there's only one reason. The reason I protect myself is because if I lay myself out there, I think you're going to judge me. That's it. <laughs> I think, right, of all of us, why do you hesitate? Why do you avoid? Even this morning, 
How many of us are like, we're just going to fully engage with each other? Or do you kind of walk in, especially if you're new, you kind of walk in and you're like, oh, I don't know if. And we don't know if people are going to like us. We don't know if people are going to accept us. We don't know if they're going to include us. And so we are always building walls. Either, and it, sometimes it makes us withdraw, and sometimes it makes us put on a show, and sometimes it makes us be somebody that we're not at all because we know, well, if I'm like that, then people will like me. So I started just envisioning Thursday morning. I'm like, okay, if that's the core issue, what would it look like if I knew that every person I ran into would love me? Think about this just for a moment. What would you actually be like if you knew you could totally be yourself, complete all your fails, failures, all your mistakes, all your really goofy idiosyncrasies, <laughs> all the stuff you do at home and nobody else, you even try to hide it from your family, those things. What would it be like if you could totally be yourself and every person around you just accepted you and loved you. If you knew that would happen, you'd be free. Can you imagine? <laughs> now, here's what I want to tell you. It was hard to even picture that <laughs> because it's not how we live. We constantly live in that function. So then that, after, that afternoon, all day long, I was actually in a leadership summit, and in this leadership, one of the talks, I, can't, I, I wish I could give props to the speaker. I didn't write it down who it was. But they said, whenever we are somewhere where we can be who we are, we function 10 times more effectively. And so, so, so we, we know this to be true. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Here's the beautiful thing. That's actually God's vision. <laughs> That's what we talked about last week. God has a desire inside of his heart. And it made him produce a will. God has a will. And so we had a purpose, right? And so we put together a plan. And we read it last week in Ephesians. That's what we're doing. We're going through the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians 9 and 10, he says, and here's my plan in the fullness of time. I'm going to unite everything in heaven and earth in Christ. I'm going to unite everything in heaven and earth in Christ. But here's what I'm going to tell you. There is no way that this group, even the hundreds of us who are in this room right now, there's no way that we would ever be united with each other unless we can look at each other and accept each other the way we are. That's the only way it's going to work. Somehow we have to get to a place where we can have different eyes to see each other differently, and we need to have a different sense of security inside ourselves that's that will be willing to take the risk to go, this is me. <laughs> like even Emily's journey to discover, this is me. I'm a writer. This is me. So that's what we're going to look at today. In last week's message if this is God's will, and this whole series is all about unity, because God's plan purposed in Christ, okay? That's why we're here, because of Jesus, right? And God says, the only reason I sent Jesus, the, the purpose of that, because I'm going to bring all of you together. I'm going to bring everything together. And, I'm gonna, and that's what we talked about last week. I want you to know, again, God's greatest desire is to be with you. So the first thing God does, he goes, I'm going to unite you with me. Because if you get united with me, then every spiritual blessing in heaven is yours. And you know, all of us want to go to heaven. We can't wait to get to heaven. 
And God is literally saying, did you know I will give you every spiritual blessing that's in heaven right now? You can have it now. Not in fullness. It's not going to happen in fullness until we get to heaven. But you can have those blessings now. And then when we think about that, and, and we, I didn't have time because the, the book of Ephesians is so amazing. But he says, what, do, what is some, are some of those spiritual blessings? Hope. You can have hope in any situation because Christ is inside you. The riches of his inheritance, you get to be rich because you have the spirit of God inside of you. Incomparably great power for us who believe. So what this whole thing is, God was saying, I want you, so I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to choose you. I want you with me so I can give you every spiritual blessing. And then if you have his presence inside you, then you have what God is. His love and his joy and his peace and wisdom and strength. So here's, here's what I'm reflecting on, and here's what I want to ask you today. Are you living in that? Is, is that your reality? Are you experiencing every spiritual blessing? Come in, can I ask you, is anybody in here experiencing that? Because I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Like, I want to. How many of you want to experience every spiritual blessing? Okay. So, but even I'm not. So that's where we're going to go at today. And here's what I'm going to invite you today. So those of you who are here and you're like going, I don't even know if I buy this whole Jesus thing or Christianity or what it's all about. Our, our vision and our mission here at K2 is to invite everyone to live out the adventure of following Christ. Okay. So I'm going to give you today, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to lay it out right now. At the end of this talk, I'm going to give you an invitation to actually be one with God's Spirit. And now the rest of us who've already received that invitation, we said, yes, Christ, I want in you. Our, our mission, again, is to invite and to equip. And so I want, like for myself, I want to live this life. And so we're going to try to equip us today to do that, all right? So here's where we're at. If you have your Bibles or if you have a, a, your phone, which may have your Bible, and if you don't, the Scripture's right up here on the screen. Oh, and by the way, again, Man, if you have your program, you got to make sure. I, I, I really can't encourage you enough to grab a program every Sunday. Because I mean, you can, those of you who have your program, there's a ton of blanks today. <laughs> there's a ton of information today. And I, if you don't get it written down, I know you're not going to go home and remember this stuff. All right? So here's where we are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And again, in chapter 1, Paul says, man, God chose you. He adopted you. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked, following the ways of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us, <laughs> this is crazy stuff, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kingdom to us in Jesus Christ, in his kindness in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved 
through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And not a result of works so that no one can boast. Okay. Woo! <laughs> Y'all got that? All right, good. Well, then we'll just pray and you guys can go home. All right, baby. I, I'm telling you, seriously, you look at these notes, I am going to just download some amazing, this is amazing. I, I just want to tell you right now, the Bible, you know, says the gospel, and that word just means good news. This right here in these eight verses is the good news. So if you showed up today, this is a great day to be here. If you, if you only come to K2 one time, great choice, because <laughs> you're going to hear what the news is all about, all right? So let's start off right here. The first thing he says is, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, okay? So now, again, in this book, Paul's writing to the church. So he's actually, he starts off this letter to, to the Ephesians saying, to the saints, to those who've received Christ, to those who are already connected to God. But what he says to us is all of us at one time, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, what in the world does that mean? Okay, let me explain it to you. Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, this is eternal life. Okay, so we're dead. Jesus says, but this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. That's eternal life. So if eternal life is knowing God, then death is not knowing God. Now, here's the problem. In our Western world, as soon as we hear the word know, we think intellect, intellectually, that we know about God. Well, a lot, of, a lot of you know stuff about God. Now, this is important. I say this a lot here because this absolutely transformed my understanding. There's one person in this room who I know, right, better than anybody else. That woman right there. Now, I know Susie, big time, all right? Why do I know her? You know why? Because I let Susie into my life. All those idiosyncrasies, she sees. She knows me because I let her in. Now, here's what's interesting. To the level, you can actually be married, though, and not, still not let someone in. You can live in the same house, but you can block off and not talk about things. The level I let Susie into my life, then I know her. Does that make sense? But that's only half of it. The, now, the other thing is, I have to engage in Susie's life. I have to look at Susie and go, okay, I want to know you. And so she opens herself up, and I ask questions, and I do things with her, and I find out her heart's passions. To the level I let her in, and to the level I engage in her, I know her. And Jesus says, this is eternal life, that you know God. The level that you let God into your life into your marriage, into your finances, into your failures and your sin, into your dreams, into all. When you let God into your life, guess what happens? You know him. And that's half of it. The other half is when you engage with God, when you discover who he is, everything that's in the scripture and in, in the Bible that tells us this is who God is, is this in the, the life he lives. Every time you go, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. That's why we want to, our mission is to, to follow him because when we follow him, we actually know him and we discover who God is. If that's eternal life, letting God into my life and engaging in his life, then what's death? Death is when we say, God, I don't want you in my life. <laughs> I don't want you affecting my finances. <laughs> I don't want you affecting my relationships. I don't want you affecting my job. I don't want you. See, when we don't want God's influence, then that's T. 
saying, I don't want you, God. And then when we hear what God's like and what he wants us to do, we say, man, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sacrifice my life. I don't want to lay down. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be, give away my finances. When we say that, what we're saying is, God, I don't want to know you. You see how this works? And so what happens in those key things, we're saying, I reject you, God. And what's crazy is the Bible says, and all of us lived among them at one time, and we were by nature children of wrath. And so you sit there and you go, okay, wait a second. And I say this all the time, you guys, a Christian is somebody who finally realized, I just don't follow God. The truth is, I don't want him in my life, and the truth is, I don't want to follow him. But he, let me just tell you this. Here's the truth. When you don't want God in your life, and you don't want to be in his life. You have just rejected God. And you've separated yourself from him. And you guys, I just want to tell you, this is why, like for me, when I think of what is, why is this world such a mess? Why are we so broken? Why are relationships so hard? Why are we so empty inside? Why are we so dark? The Bible says it's because you're separated from God. And you're dead in your transgressions and your sins. Because, guys, that's all transgression and sin is. You're just saying, God, I don't want you. So here's what's amazing is in the midst of that, let me, and then Paul goes on. He goes, now let me just explain to you three causes that separate us from God. So these are in your notes. Three causes that separate us from God. Now, it was pretty funny. So I'm sitting there that morning, and I'm working on my message. And Caleb, who's actually sitting here, my son, uh, came out and uh, joined me with our dog, Aspen. And he said, hey, Dad, watch this. So I'm thinking about this message about why we're separated from God. And then Caleb shows me this. So go ahead and uh, throw, this, throw this clip out here. Not bad, huh? Yeah, baby. Way to go, Capes. And do we have the other video? Sit. Lay down. Lay down. Lay down, Aspen. Sit. Lay down. Up, up, up. Sit. Fist bump. Yeah. I especially like the fist bump one. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. So why are we feeling separated from God? And, and, and when you see what, what Paul says here, why we do this, and Caleb comes out and he shows me, here's what's so cool, is Aspen, our dog now, when Caleb says, stay, 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 she's like, <laughs> right? Come, wham! How cool would it be if God was going, stay, 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 don't, <laughs> and then Jesus would go, Come, and we go. See, that's why, you guys, our mission is to invite and equip you to live out the adventure of following God, saying yes to God. But why are we separated from God? Here we go. There's three ways that, that, that Paul gives us in here. Number one is because we follow the ways of the world. 
Look at the verse. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked following the ways of the world. And so in 1 John, it says this, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Now, and let me just say again, God so loved the world. So it's a different issue. He's not saying don't love people in the world. But what he says is there are systems in the world. There are patterns in the world. There are ways that you believe in the world. And when you follow those patterns, it causes you to be disobedient from God. In fact, the love for God can't be in you if you're actually doing what the world wants you to do. And, And so he goes on, he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And basically those three things, you guys, it's just, it's all about me. It's all about me. And so really, and when it's all about you, guess what happens? Your value ends up being based on you and on your own performance. And the problem then is your value is based on your performance. And so now, it's and I say this because this is so critical to understand, that if you're good at doing stuff, then you get super proud. And proud people don't stay connected with other people. They separate those from others because they're judging them. But if you're not very good at it, if it's all about you, and you're trying to perform, and you don't perform very well, then you have shame, and so now you put up the wall, and you start hiding yourself. you got to protect yourself. And see, so God is going, you guys, the pattern of this world is when it's all about you. And Jesus came, and he goes, man, I set, came to set that free. Here's the second thing he says. You're not only following the ways of the world, you're following the enemy of God. <laughs> Ephesians 2.2. 2 following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So here's, and and, and if some of you were going, what in the world? What's the power of the air? Well, back in that day and age, there was a belief, right, that there was heaven where God was. There was kind of this, this, the, the heaven, the physical atmosphere, but there was a place with a demonic world where angelic beings were. were. And and so that was their whole understanding. And so, but here's what Jesus says. If you go, wait a second, <laughs> there's a spirit who's actually working inside of us, causing us to be disobedient to God. Okay, if, there, if Jesus actually is who he said he is, then what he says is true. And here's what Jesus says. There's an enemy for your soul. Jesus Christ said, listen, I'm, I'm revealing to you what's true. And here's what's true. There's an enemy for your soul. And what did he call him? He called him the father of lies. The father of lies. And here's what I know, and I battle it every stinking day. And so do you. The enemy lies to us and puts thoughts inside of our head that are not true about God all the time. He's not there. He doesn't care. I think a main one is he's not good. And he doesn't love you. So he's lying to us all the time. Why? So that we won't trust him. So that when God goes, stay, 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 the enemy's going, are you see, see? He doesn't want you to have a full life. He doesn't want you to have a great thing. He doesn't care about you. He's that good. Look at he's mad. He's causing you to stay. Other people are running. How come you have to stay? Stay, stay. But then finally we're like, okay. And then God goes, come, follow me. Because what do you think? Oh my God, if I step out and do what God wants me to do, I don't think it's... 
All we think is when God asks us to do something, the enemy lies to us and says, it's not going to go good. He doesn't care about you. And so what do we do? We disobey God. And we don't follow him. We follow these thoughts about God instead of the truth of who he is. And he lies to us about each other all the time. Come on, man. Every one of us, as soon as stuff gets hard or somebody acts in a weird way, we immediately think negative thoughts, don't we? We don't think, oh, that person must really love me but had a bad day. No, we think negatively, constantly about each other. And this is why I'm doing so much work on my own heart is because then we start lying. he starts lying to us about yourself. And every one of us, I know this because I've done this with hundreds of people now, if you find out the negative thoughts that are going inside your head about what you believe, it's un, it is almost unbelievable how negatively this is going on. You know why? Because we have an enemy for our soul who doesn't want us to follow God. And what's crazy is we follow him. We follow his lies. And so we don't follow God. And then the third one, he says, and then you follow your own cravings. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying in the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. <laughs> you know, and, and this one is just, come on, man. This is what it is to be human, right? I mean, this is what I'm battling right now. I, I, I'm, and I'm going to battle it until I see Jesus. The cravings inside me. And what's crazy is this so is hand in glove with the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. So basically what happens inside of us, whatever you want, get it. <laughs> whatever you want, get it. Whatever feels good, do it. Right? What do you think is best? What do you believe is right? Here's, here's our culture. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. And the Bible goes, do you know your heart is more wicked than anything else on the planet? See, but we follow our heart. Because we're making the final determination on what's right or what's good. And so we follow the world and this whole performance thing. We follow the enemy and his lies. And we follow ourselves thinking we know what is right. And God's up there going, follow me, follow me. And we don't. And so we're separated from God. And when you're separated from God, when you say, I don't want you in affecting my life. And I don't want to follow you then what you're saying is, I don't want to know you. And if you don't know him, it's death. You are separated from God, and you're dead. Now, here's what's amazing. And this is what I get so excited. There are two little words. If you have your notes, I can't wait for you to circle these. There are two little words in this passage that are so awesome. Here's the first one. But. But. Do you guys remember Pee Wee Herman? How many of you ever been? Everybody's got a big butt, right? Here's, here's what's amazing. I'm telling you one of the greatest words in all the scripture is but. Why? Because but, by definition, is a contrast to what was just said. And it's the possibility of change. And so here's the reality. You're separated from God, and he's saying, and when you're separated from me, you're actually dead. Even though you're breathing, but spiritually, you are not connected to me, and you will die, Jesus said, in your sins. But God, but God, God has a desire. And he doesn't want you to be separated from him. God's greatest desire last week, remember this, his greatest desire is, yeah, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. And so he had put together a will and a purpose 
and a plan. But God, he, and here's what we're going to look at, three motivations of God for unity. Three motivations of God for unity. Here's the first one. Just fill up these blanks. His great love. His rich in mercy. And his incomparable grace. You follow all the ways opposite of God. You do things he doesn't want you to do. You live in ways that dishonor him. But God, in his great love and the richness of his mercy and in his incomparable grace. And you guys, those things are, they're they're amazing. And, and, And mercy is literally where God just says, I see a need in you that you can't actually do anything about. This is what mercy is. When you see a need that someone has and they can't do anything about it and you meet that need for them, that's an act of mercy. And here's what's cool. God is looking at us, disobedient to him, enslaved to passions and the world and the enemy. And he looks at us and he goes, okay, you have a need. And you can't change. You can't actually escape from it. And so you know what he says? He goes, I'll do it. I'm rich in mercy. I'm going to do for you what you can't do. And then he has incomparable grace. Look at this verse. He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is grace that saves us. You know what grace is? Grace is an undeserved gift. It's when you do something for somebody that they don't deserve. When they're doing something completely against you, but you give them a gift anyway, that's grace. So when God says, I got three motivations that make me want to be with you. I have great love for you. I am rich in mercy towards you. And I have incomparable grace. And here's the other little word that's so awesome. This is the second word. Even. Even. Look in there and and, and circle this word. Circle this word. Even. Now, you know what this word means by definition? The thing that is added. So he's going to suck. He goes, you're totally dead in all your sins. And then he goes, but the thing that is added is is out of the ordinary. And it actually produces a climax. So it's like, you're, it's like you're in this story. And you're going, oh my gosh, everything looks so bad. But God, he has great love and rich mercy. And he has incomparable grace. What? Even when we were dead in our transgressions. See, guys, this is why God is so amazing. Because he's not looking at us and saying, hey, like all of our human relationships, if you would get your act together, if you would break your addiction, if you would start being kind, then I love you. No. Even when you were dead, which means you were separated from God, saying, I, want in, I don't want you in my life, God. I don't want you. I don't want you. And I don't want to follow you. I do not want you want what you want to do. God goes, man, I love you. Man, I love you. Man, I'm going I'm to do for you what you can't do. I'm going to give you a gift. God, I don't want you. That's what we say. And you know what God says? But I want you. Even, even when you don't want me. Even when you're following my enemy. Even when you're destroying your life and hurting the people around you. Some of you right now in this room, you know you're hurting 
people around you. And you walk into a church and you go, there's no way God could ever love me because of all the bad things I've done. And this passage right here goes, even with what you're doing right now, in all of your addiction, in all of your anger, in all of your violence, in all of your lying, and even in that, I love you. And I will lay my life down for you. Right, this is amazing. And so that's grace, because we don't deserve it. So, now let's look at this. The three gifts of God's grace. The three gifts of God's grace. Because twice in this passage, hey, and by the way, um, this thing isn't working down here. Um, so I have no idea when I'm supposed to stop, and that is not a good thing, as most of you know. Because <clears throat> everybody in the children's ministry is going, oh my God, please, Nelson, shut up. I, sorry, got to find out my schedule, see when I'm supposed to be done. All right, so here we go. Here's the three gifts of God's grace. And I want you to fill in all these blanks before I explain this, because this is insane. Here's what God does for you that you can't do. Number one, he makes us alive together with Christ. God, even though you were dead, God makes you alive together with Christ. Number two, he raised us with Christ. This is insane. And then number three, he seated us with Christ in heaven. Now here's what's interesting, because the three things that God does, he so he makes us alive together with Christ, he raises us together with Christ, and he seats us with Christ. Now, when you go, and this is where it's kind of fun, okay? I don't like to do a whole lot of Greek stuff on you, but the original language, all three of those words, with Christ, with the, raised with, made alive with, and seated with, they have a prefix in them. And the prefix is S-Y-N. Each Greek word starts with S-Y-N, sin. Guess what word we got from our English language from that? Sink. Sink. S-Y-N-C-H. Can I just ask you, how many of your phones are synced with your computer? Oh, my God, like four? What's it? Are you guys not, like, do you not live in America? <laughs> I'm serious, man. One of the greatest things, right? I pull out my phone, I stick a thing in the calendar, and what happens? Immediately, my computer has it in there. And so does Susie. And so does all my staff. It's like, hey, I need a meeting here. Boom, I put it in. I'm synced. You know what was crazy? Two years ago, Susie and my phones got synced. Have you, no, I do want to hear, had anybody else actually had your phone sync with another person's phone? Is that not the biggest pain in the what? I, so this happened two years ago. Susie was on staff. And so here's what happens. Every text Susie got, I got. <laughs> and she was on staff then, and she was leading this women's thing. And I'm telling you, man, she must have been, like, I don't know, if, did you do anything but text people all day long? Because <laughs> I'm sitting there in the office trying to work. Ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> like, and so, and here's what's great. So, man, we're never doing that again. Six months ago, our phones got synced again. And here's what's crazy. So what happens? This is what's, it's crazy. Literally, everything that someone sends me 
immediately, Susie gets it. Here's what that means. What God does is he sinks your spirit with Jesus. Oh my gosh. Lord, please make this make sense. How frustrating would it be to go to church and try to be a better person and you can't do it? That's religion. That's a man-made way of trying to make yourself good to God. God says this, I'm going to do a gift for you that you don't deserve because I know you don't want me at all. I'm going to actually have mercy on you and do something that you need that you can't do. Here's what you can't do, you guys. You can't sink your spirit with Jesus. You can't make yourself one with God. But God can. Oh my God. This is what he does. And this is our hope of being unified with each other. He raised us. He, I'm sorry, first one, he made us alive with Christ. Okay? Now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going I'm to do, do it a little bit different. Let me, sh- let me share the last thing because I'm going to share with you what we actually have to do and then I'll close this thing up. There's three actions that we actually have to take. How can I get my spirit united with the spirit of Jesus Christ, with the spirit of God, and be one with him. There's three things you gotta believe. Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You gotta actually believe. And that faith, you guys, is not a, again, it's not just a head knowledge thing. You actually have to trust him. It means that you become convinced and you go, I trust you, Jesus. And then you have to repent. And I know this is a weird word, but I'm so grateful for Jamie Winship as he's been, because this is what repent means. It simply means I'm going to change the way that I believe. I'm going to change the way I believe. Jesus said this, the time has come. He said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. So what you got to do today is you literally got to say, okay, here's what you basically need to say today. God, I have not wanted you in my life. And now I do. I'm changing. I'm changing this. God, I have not wanted to follow you. I have not trusted you. I have not believed that you're good. And I don't want you in my life. And what I'm hoping today is if that's been you, that the Spirit has made you see, if you do that, you will die in your sin. But God, but God. So you repent then, and here's what Paul said, or Peter said in Acts, he says, repent then, change the way you think, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And you know what's refreshing? Is God gives you two things, and that's the third thing. What do you do? You receive. You believe You repent, you change your way, and you turn to God, and then you receive. And this is so cool. What do you receive? What's to say? This is not of your doing. It's a gift from God. 
So you don't try to be better. You just go, God, I want to receive. And here's two things you receive. I want to receive your forgiveness for all my sin because that's what Jesus did. He died so you wouldn't have to. That's how we know what love is, that Christ would lay his life down for you. And then you get, and here's where it is. And so God makes you alive with Christ because if your spirit is united with Christ and he's on the cross paying the penalty, receiving the wrath of God for sin, if your spirit is one with him, guess what? What happened to Jesus has happened to you. Just like what happens to Susie's phone happens to mine. When you're synced, when you're made one with Jesus, what happened to him happened to you. So that's why for me, I know the Bible tells me, I am seen without blemish and without accusation. I am no longer dead. You know why? Because I am completely forgiven of all of my sin because I'm united with Christ. And now he's, and I can rest in that every single day. And then secondly, he goes, and then Jesus didn't just die. What did he do? He actually rose. And what the scriptures say? And God raised us with Christ. What in the world does that mean? Well, you know why Jesus, why Jesus couldn't stay in the ground? The, the scriptures tell us death couldn't hold him down. You know why? Because in Jesus, he didn't have any sin. Jesus had power over sin. In other words, he always did what God wanted him to do. He always said yes to God, and he always said no to the enemy. And now you're one in spirit with Jesus. And so the same spirit, the Bible says, that rose Jesus from the dead because he had power to say yes to God is now living inside of you. You know what that means? You and I can have power to say yes to God and follow God and discover the beautiful life that he created for you. That is so cool. And then what did Jesus do? After he rose from the dead, he walked around for a while, hung out with everybody, and then what did he do? He ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he's seated right now at the right hand of God. This is insane. And you are one in spirit with Jesus, which means, you know what? In the heavenly realm, the Bible says, you're already there. That's your assurance. And you're like, what? Yes. You are in God's presence, and God is with you right now. And that's how you can know your future is absolutely sure. Eternal life. What is it? Your past is taken care of. Totally forgiven in Christ. Your presence right now, the present right now. You can have life because you can have power through his spirit inside of you to say yes to God. And your future is absolutely secure. Because Jesus is already seated there and you're seated with him at the right hand of God. Oh, you guys, this is good news. This is the greatest news there is. So the band's going to come up, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two things while, they, while we worship here. The first one is we're going to take communion, okay? Now, what does that mean? <laughs> that means for all of us in this room who have actually believed, repented, and turned to God, and received his spirit, received his forgiveness, and received his spirit, Jesus said this. He goes, I want you to come on a regular basis, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. This is not of works. This isn't anything you've done. I want you to remember that when you were dead in your sins, I loved you with great love. I had rich mercy towards you, and I had incomparable grace towards you. You are one with me. And the truth is, some of you guys, Christians, have been struggling in your thinking and in your minds because you forgot. It's like, wait a second. I've been made alive with Christ. By the way, those are all past tense. I've been made alive with Christ. 
I've been raised with Christ. I've been seated with Christ because of his death and resurrection. And you're going to celebrate that today. So take the bread, take the cup, go back to your seat and go, God, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for forgiving me of everything. Thank you. The body means his life. Thank you for living inside me. Thank you. I am one with Christ. And then at the same time that people are coming down to receive communion, Derek and some of our staff, our, our leaders are right over here. And I just want to, I would be remiss if I did not give every one of you our mission to invite you. I want to invite any of you, and here's what's weird, I can't make anything happen. I prayed all morning, we've been praying all week. But here's what I know, if the Spirit of God revealed to you, you are dead. It's not past tense. For a Christian, it's past tense, but right now you realize, I'm under God's wrath. Because <laughs> I haven't wanted God in my life. And I haven't wanted to follow God. I'm in my transgression and sin right now. And if today is the day, then here's what's cool. You are saved. God's going, I love you. <laughs> and that mercy was for you. And my grace is for you. You don't have to do one thing except what? Believe. Change your thinking and turn to me and receive my forgiveness and receive my spirit. And if you are here and you want to be one with God in your spirit, you can do that today. And you just come right over here and you pray with these guys, man. They'll lead you through that whole thing. I don't want to walk another day separate from God and his life and his joy and his peace and his strength. I want to get reconciled to God. All right, so let's all stand up. And at any time, if you're already a follower of Christ, you come up here and you take communion. And at any time, if any of you want to receive Christ and put your faith in him and be born of his spirit today, you go join these guys right over here. All right? Let's do it together.